Hi, I'm Dr. Pam Peek, and welcome to episode 375 of Her, the podcast where you're going to hear the naked truth about her mind, her body, her life, and today, her navigating menopause, especially at the workplace. Yeah, it's a thing. There's no question about it. You're going to hear more. We have a terrific show coming up. Before we begin, just know that this episode is made possible by Solaray Vitamins, Minerals, and Herbs. When you want to support your wellness goals, no matter where you are in your journey, it's all about Solaray, and that's S-O-L-A-R-A-Y, Vitamins, Minerals, and Herbs. Learn more by running on over to solaray.com, and I highly recommend those multiple vitamins for women, just saying. All right. Now, I'm going to give you your first reminder to click on iTunes after this episode to rate and review the show because we love your feedback. All right, it's time for Her. Her, the podcast. The naked truth about women. Her mind, her body, her life. It's all about her. Raise your hand if you think there should be something going on, some policies, some real plans and programs about taking care of women who are going through perimenopause, menopause, and are working. There they are working, and you know what's happening. There's hot flashes going on, drenching sweats at nighttime and daytime, impaired sleep, I could go on. It's just one big party. So we have a guest who just wrote a book that I absolutely love. It's called Working Through Menopause, The Impact on Women, Businesses, and the Bottom Line. And this is Dr. Mesh Seibel. And Dr. Seibel is just extraordinary. He's a dear friend. He helps menopausal women who feel like a hot mess get in control of their life, their work, and their relationships. And he is a 20-plus year member of the Harvard Medical School faculty editor of the Hot Years magazine. Folks, I was on the damn cover. I'm just saying being a little cover girl here, and he's obviously been the recipient of multiple awards, speaking, writing, media coverage, research, and even music. Dr. Seibel, welcome to the Her Podcast. Well, Dr. Pink, thank you for having me, and I'm only sorry that my mother wasn't here to hear your introduction. <laughs> she's listening. She's li Trust me, she's listening. So, so here's the deal. I couldn't believe it. This morning, I'm opening up my my Twitter feed to do a, a little posting, and what comes across it, I'm not kidding you, that Spain becomes the first country in the world to actually give menstrual leave, meaning that when women who are still menstruating have, you know, those lovely cramps, um, as I could espouse to um, over the years. And, and you're literally dysfunctional. You're like, oh my God, you know, all I want to do is just lie down in a fetal position. And, it, and it, you know, it passes in a day, um, but gosh, right? And so then I said to myself, well, well, wait a minute, what about menopause? We're not exactly having a party over here either. So, my question to you 
is why did you write this book now? Oh, the need is so great. Uh, there's been so many um, patients, women that I coach, people that I come in contact with, even in the medical profession, who are struggling with menopause in the workplace. And it turns out that, that three in five women are adversely affected on the job with their menopause symptoms. A third are actively hiding their uh, menopause symptoms because they don't want anybody to know it because it's so taboo, you can't even talk about it. And about half fear being stigmatized, you know, called menopausal or some other name like that, which would cause them to feel bad, uh, assume that they are an older person, not necessarily the case at all. But the impact is so great. And right now it's about an $800 billion impact in terms of cost worldwide, uh, menopause on the workplace in terms of lost productivity, women dropping out of the workforce, uh, extra doctor's visits and so forth. It's a big issue. And we've done a pretty good job helping women through their reproductive years. Now we have pregnancy leave and we have fertility insurance and so forth and understanding of those things, but nothing for menopause. I mean, it, it's crazy, you know, and I think that people weren't even keeping statistics or didn't even think that there was a thing, you know, the thing being women are literally dropping out of the workforce because you know what's I ironic here? What's ironic is when it really hits you, right, you're peaking um, in many respects in your career. So here you are in your late 40s, into your 50s. This is when you're rocking and rolling and tearing up Wall Street and doing your thing. And yet at the same time, you've got two things colliding at the very least. Um, one is actual menopausal changes, no question. The next one um, is aging, just aging all by its lonesome. Um, you know, with it, it, it's, it's impossible to extricate that from the menopausal changes because they're also intertwined. Um, and then at the same time, mentally, you've got all the caregiving and suddenly you're a sandwich person, you're caregiving people younger than you. So it could be, you know, kids, grandkids, whatever. And then of course you've got the parent thing going. It's, it's just, whoa, it's really different then in many respects than the fertility issue and menstrual cycles. What do you think of that? Well, I think you've spot on with that. I mean, what happens is, is that women are hitting their stride. They have the wisdom and the knowledge, the experience. They have the corporate knowledge from being around the company for a long time. And they really have a maximum amount to offer. But yet, they're thinking about dropping out of the workforce. At least 10% of women are really anticipating dropping out. And it's not just women in general. There was a paper that came out of the UK uh, just in the last year that said that as many as 41% of women doctors were dropping out of the workforce for two reasons. One was menopause symptoms. And the second is that they were too embarrassed to talk about it with their supervisors. So imagine being a healthcare provider and uncomfortable talking about your menopause symptoms with the person that's above you in terms of supervision. So we have a, a real issue there. And right now there's so many nurses dropping out of the workforce for a variety of reasons, but 
menopause plays a role. Don't underestimate the role that it plays because the women are tolerating and dealing with all of the challenges of work while at the same time they're dealing with symptoms that are causing them to sleep poorly and they're not able to concentrate sometimes as well. Or they may feel embarrassed. They may feel outed because they have a hot flash at work. And then everyone, quote, knows. And some people are still... Um, insensitive enough or inappropriate enough to try to call people, oh, I bet she's low in her estrogen or something like that, that is absolutely uh, should be a zero tolerance for. But those kinds of things are hurtful and harmful in the workplace, and they do go on. Well, they they also say that about men. Oh, she's on her period. Don't go near her. She's on her period. She can't make a decision right now. She's a mess. So, you know, there there's kind of both of those things. When those... Women physicians, as you mentioned, um, are, as it were, um, too embarrassed, too filled with shame. What's going on in their mind? Where's that coming from? What are they embarrassed about? You know, we've normalized having a period. I mean, when you, when a young woman is going to have her first period, you know, most most moms have the talk with their daughters about, you know, being prepared and knowing what's going to happen. But we don't have that for the last period. Moms don't talk to their daughters about, you know, you're going to be entering menopause. And because there's nothing really discussed about it, and because it's associated with aging, and let me be clear, uh, 5 to 10% of women are already in menopause before they're age 45, and 1% before age 40. And the symptoms start up to a decade before that. So a lot of women who are in their late 30s, early 40s, who are starting to have menstrual irregularities, it may manifest as having trouble getting pregnant. It may be that they're having a heart palpitations and they go to a cardiologist or brain fog and worry they're getting dementia. All these normal perimenopause symptoms, those symptoms that lead up to menopause, are going on and yet... Many women go to two or three doctors before they ever figure out that they're going through the change. It's just insane. And what you and I both know is that the mass majority of providers out there, and I mean at multiple levels, not just doctors, have literally no training in in dealing with menopause. What used to happen in the past, as you're well aware, is you know, here's a little piece of paper we give to everyone, and and here's some uh, hormonal replacement therapy. Knock yourself out, okay? And that's it. We're like, that's it. No, no one talks to me about my individual needs, where I am uniquely, um, in terms of my own um, health journey. Um, no one's going to have that conversation. I just get a little, it's sort of like, you know, the old diet days, you know, here, everybody gets the same thing. Eat 1200 calories, knock yourself out. It's just, no, you can't, you can't do that to people. Right. Um, what do you think? Well, I mean, there's very strong evidence that from surveys, we know that only about one in five OBGYN residency programs provide any kind of training in menopause. And when it comes to primary care, it's less than one in 10. So you have the primary caregivers for women not getting any information about how to care for those women. And what I tell the residents is that, you know, 
not everybody is going to have a, a baby. Not everybody is going to have infertility. Not everybody is going to have cancer. But everybody that lives long enough, every woman that lives long enough, is going to have menopause. And yet, the thing that affects everyone is getting the least training. And this, this all happened really because about 20 years ago, right about the time the Women's Health Initiative study came out, also what ended up happening was that the, they were trying to cut back on residents' training hours. And they were looking, how can we not have the residents work so long so they won't be so tired? And it was right at that time that all of this was happening. And so what they got rid of was menopause training. And that was a real tragic error that has not been rectified yet. And, and the second thing that made it so hard was the Women's Health Initiative, that study that came out in 2002, 20 years ago, that incorrectly suggested that estrogen caused an increased risk of breast cancer and heart disease and so forth. And that caused estrogen usage to go from about 40% of the population down to about 5%. And it's still down around that level now. And so what's happened is women are thinking, well, you know, I should be able to tough this out. But no one is trying to figure it out. And that's where things go south. Yeah, the, the tough it out thing. I mean, that's just, you know, we're both physicians. We both love our, you know, perimenopausal, menopausal um, patient populations. And it, it kills me to think that some woman is out there just gritting her teeth through the day, trying to make it through the day with all of these things going on. We need more highly trained menopause experts as providers to be able to meet the need. Um, and that means an individualized approach. I'm a, I'm a crazy person about that, and I know you are too. You spend so much time doing this. No question about it. I'm different than the next person. Please honor me for that, right? Don't throw me into some rabbit hole with everybody else because that makes no sense. Women are now getting livid about that, and they, and they really, really want to make certain that someone's hearing them. You know what's interesting? Why is the UK so far ahead of us in terms of acknowledging all of this and actually taking action with policies and plans? Well, it's interesting. In the UK, about uh, 2010, they came out with an equal employment, equal opportunity, equal employment bill that became law. And so they began looking at men and women in a very equal way. And because of that, this became clear as an area that wasn't being addressed. And as a result of that, they have had much more interest in trying to rectify the problem. It's okay to have a problem. It's okay to have a circumstance. It's not meeting the needs of everyone. But once you identify that, then you have to do something. And that's the opposite of what's going on here. People are trying to sweep it under the rug. They're not addressing it. And as a result, uh, the problem continues. As I say, that that's really not only an issue for women, and it's a big issue for women, but it's also an issue for businesses. I mean, if you look at something as common as, say, hot flashes, which, you know, about 80, 85% of women have, if you look at the a study that was done 
on the Fortune 500 companies and comparing women with hot flashes whose hot flashes were treated compared to women with hot flashes whose hot flashes were not treated. The women who's not, who didn't get their hot flashes treated, and there were 250,000 of them, in that study, looking at their results, it amortized to about $14 billion of cost in the United States for just hot flashes. And this comes from the fact that women whose hot flashes aren't treated make about six extra visits to the doctor per year, and they have uh, more time away or time absenteeism because they're not feeling well. And there are a whole host of other things, how they did these calculations, which were uh, very well documented. And all of that is rectifiable. I mean, at least give women a place to, if they feel like a hot mess, give them a place to pull themselves together, uh, have plenty of water for them to drink, have bathrooms where they can go and freshen themselves up. I mean, there needs to be a whole relook at businesses. And I talk about this in working through menopause because uh, it's not being addressed. I, I And you really even went further. You were looking at the law. What, what does the law say about this? Well, it's very interesting. In, in, the, in the UK, they have uh, tribunals, which are these uh, smaller legal entities that address cases. Now they have five different cases that have happened, which have set case precedent for a number of circumstances uh, it, that where women were um, taken advantage of or treated poorly because of their menopause symptoms. Only in the last year in the United States has there been case precedent. There's been, uh, in, in the United States, for laws to become uh, able to be used in this way for discrimination and so forth, there has to be two different kinds of case laws that come together. And one of these cases was uh, on gender, and the other was on age discrimination. And because both of those had to do with women and those individual things, the two of them now make case precedent just within the last months, just a very recent. This One of the cases went all the way to the Supreme Court. The other was a federal case. But there is a real reason for the business community to realize that if women are treated unreasonably because their symptoms are impacting them and they aren't acknowledged and given an opportunity to have those things rectified, they're at legal risk. Wow. Okay. So this is really helping us, as you say in your book, move the needle. And um, what's, what's interesting here is just looking at steps one can take um, to be able to start putting this together. I mean, how do you do that? Um, so first of all, really understanding the symptoms of menopause. Um, you know, I mean, it may not be hot flashes. Uh, how, what percentage of women have hot flashes? It's very common, about 85%. And about half of those or more are going to be moderate or severe. So it can be pretty significant number of women. Excellent. Okay. And so there are others um, who struggle to concentrate or focus, you know, foggy brain, and that can be just re 
ridiculously hard to navigate, especially if you're a high-performing woman, etc. Anxiety, panic attacks, um, headaches, um, including migraines, feeling super tired, um, and and literally feeling like you have no energy. I used to say that, you know, when I was um, early perimenopausal, I was starting to feel, well, as you know about me, I have enough energy to light up a small city. Um, absolutely. And, absolutely. And then I, all of a sudden, a front-end loader couldn't get me out of bed. I mean, it was like, what? What is going on here? And uh, that was devastating to me absolutely devastating and i wanted someone to help me with that and you know i i kind of had to stumble through the system myself as a physician to try to figure all this stuff out so if you look at the best practices to manage menopause at work you list a number of these like for instance what about creating and implementing a menopause policy is that actually happening out there not too much uh you know it's not going to be just like taking care of, you know, one woman to the next woman to the next one. You can't have one size fits all. Businesses will need to have implementation. I mean, sometimes I have talked with companies about implementation and each one is a little different. You have to find out what they have in place and what they need. But one of the things that women can do is they can try to identify the people the highest up they can who are sympathetic to this and at least educate them, make them aware of it. So there can be advocates that they can have on their team to work with them because uh, it's not going to be something that uh, many people are even aware of. That's the issue. It's like silent. And because people, some people just don't give a care. Some people just fluff it off, but some people are just unaware. They just never thought about it because they're not there and they don't have a, a life experience that includes it. Yep, no question about it. And honestly, how do you extricate the whole ageism thing from this? Well, when you figure that out, you got a real good book. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I think that you have to realize that the people we're talking about from a value to the company are incredibly valuable because they are, as I had mentioned earlier, they have accrued a lot of institutional wisdom. They know how to get things done and how to go about it. They're simply at a point in time because most are not being treated, 90% at least aren't being treated, not only by hormones, but by anything. And so they're literally toughing it out, gritting their teeth and trying to make this thing work. And it's unfair and it's not optimum for them or for the company. And so uh, I think that education, getting people to providers or to uh, educational materials that can help them to optimize their performance and to minimize the impact of their symptoms is going to overcome a lot of that. And you know, when you get somebody that knows how to get things done and really knows how to go about doing stuff, you want that person on your team. It, and often it's gonna be a person that may have a gray hair or two. And that's okay because wisdom takes time. You aren't born with wisdom. You may be born smart, but you're not born with wisdom. Okay, and you know, as we're kind of rounding this out, 
I want to give people a little bit of hope out there that some companies are really moving forward. And I think one of the most famous is Vodafone. What happened with them? This is a big multinational telecommunications company with 100,000 employees, and they did something really fairly extraordinary. Well, some of the companies primarily that are multinational are getting their original, uh, an example would be them, uh, you know, they're getting their impetus from uh, the demands and the status of people who are uh, in that country, often in the UK. Many of these, like GlaxoSmithKline, has a female who is the CEO of the company. She's very sympathetic to this issue and has been very supportive for it. But it's not only women. Uh, Mayor of London, Mayor Khan, uh, he has implemented a menopause day and has made menopause something he wants to uh, support for the city and the city employees because he recognizes the impact of menopause and wants to retain and enhance those women in their performance. So again, it requires someone at the top, male or female, who's open and receptive to implement the things that are needed. And you have to talk to your uh, employees. You have to say it's okay to say I'm having a hot flash. Excuse me, I'm just going to pull myself together. Give me just a moment and then go right about your business. That has to be permissible and normalized. And once it's normalized, it's no different than you have to slip away for a moment to breastfeed or you have to whatever. I mean, these are normal biological things that have to be normalized. And that's what has to happen. Right. Exactly. All right. So, you know, we're, we're finally getting to a point here where, you know, uh, I think we're, we're, we're having an awakening. We really are. You and I are, are medical providers, scientists, teachers, um, and so, you know, we're in the know a little bit more than maybe some people out in the trenches um, doing uh, their provision for women who are perimenopausal and menopausal. Um, and, you know, for a long time, I was just sort of like throwing up my hands with frustration, doing what I could, you know, that little starfish story, you know, just throw one at a time because that's all you could really deal with. Um, and now I'm starting to feel a little bit of movement here um, toward uh, women becoming more activists. So I, I remember sharing with you that um, I had a team from Hollywood come out and, uh, well, actually, they, um, they sent me to L.A. And I was part of a documentary, which is full of some of the wildest and craziest, and I just love them, um, activists um, from... Uh, Megan Rapinoe, who obviously is the Olympic uh, captain of the soccer team, all the way up to Jane Fonda, who's way up there in her 80s and looking pretty good these days. And, and really all the women in between saying, hello, we're on different parts of this journey. Um, and whether we're perimenopausal or whether we're pregnant, whether we're still menstruating, whatever the issue is, damn it, listen to us. Because we have needs, 
And and we really want to feel as though someone's listened and honored those. Um, I'll be telling everyone more about the the film uh, as we go forward when we figure out when this is going to be um, uh, showing up at the film festivals and on television. But most importantly, there's an activism that's beginning to emerge out there. I feel more hopeful for that. And there's some kick-ass millennials coming through because, you know, when you think about it, Dr. Seibel, um, look at perimenopause. How old are they? These are the millennials. They're starting to, you well, know. Well, the millennials are turning 40, you know. That's, that's right. quite prime in the uh, perimenopause window. Exactly. And if you think for two seconds they're going to take this, uh, you know, uh, sitting back and saying, okay, well, I'll get slapped around. Do think again. And I think that there, are, you know, if we have wise and smart experts like yourself um, who really know the science well and can communicate this to a woman when you're giving her that individual attention, that would be great because there's all kinds of tools now that never existed before. You know that I'm working with a fabulous group at MIT uh, that came up with a wearable device that is non-medicinal, that is natural and biorhythms, and it basically just works through your nervous system to help you regulate temperature and hot flashes. And women have loved this because it, it has an app, it's a device. A lot of younger women especially are saying, bring on the technology because they were born and raised with technology. At the same time, adjunctively, you could be using menopausal hormonal therapy as um, appropriately prescribed by people like yourself who really know how to utilize this at low dose with no um, risk. So, you know, there's a whole potpourri of wonderful um, options women now have, you know, to be able to do this. Well, that's the thing. They should, women need to realize if they're having symptoms, if you are having a symptom, and it's something that is, uh, you understand this perimenopause or menopause, you should realize there are a lot of treatments. Some of those include hormones, but there are many non-hormonal treatments. There are some devices that are coming out. There are a whole host of things. You try one. If it doesn't work, you wait three months or so, and you try another. But the thing is, is to work get someone to work with you who will understand you and take care of what I like to say is the sum of you and not just some of you. And that's a very important part of the journey. And recognize that doing nothing should not be an option because you have to figure it out. You don't have to tough it out. And that's what should be your goal. I love that. Say that again about the some of you. I want to make sure everyone heard that. Yes, you have to find someone to take care of the some of you and not just some of you. The S-U-M of you, not the S-O-M-E of you, because otherwise, and, and, and that becomes particularly important if you are someone who doesn't want to take hormones. I mean, hormones, if you do take estrogen, it's going to go to most every cell in your body. So if you have you know, brain fog, it's going to your brain. If you have hot flashes, it goes to your hot flashes. If you have a dry vagina, it's going to go to your vagina, etc. But if you don't take hormones, then you have to individualize your journey through menopause and you have to address each thing individually because most of the other options can be quite good, but they're only taking care of some of you. And so you've got to realize 
that there's more to you than just that one symptom. And be aware there's two kinds of symptoms. There's the noisy ones that you hear, like but I mean here, I mean figuratively, such as hot flashes, but there's the silent ones you don't hear, which are the ones like osteoporosis or thinning of the bones or something like heart disease and narrowing of the arteries. And so you've got to be aware that the sum of you is, it is a part of the equation to make you whole and healthy. I love that. The sum of you. Gonna remember that one for a long time. Um, some folk out there were asking, what's the name of that device? And you go to EMBR, um, Ember Labs. It's called the Ember Wave, just like I'm waving at you. And it's a um, it's a device that's worn on the inside of the wrist. It's very cool. And the app will teach you about menopause as well. So the Ember Wave. But seriously, this has been such an important discussion crying out loud and i'm just so happy you wrote this book because the activist in me is saying yeah right on so what's the name of the book everyone out there working through menopause the impact of women businesses the impact on women businesses and the bottom line um dr seibel what is the best website where people can learn more about your work your books where can they learn that? Uh, they would go to drmache.com, D-R-M-A-C-H-E.com, D-R-M-A-C-H-E.com. Okay, now one, one uh, last chunk of wisdom, just a little, a little something, a nugget, as we end this fantastic episode. What, what would you like to impart to women out there who are, you know, entering perimenopause, already in menopause and feeling a little bit of, you know, helpless, hopeless and defeated? What would you tell them? I would say the best is yet to come. And in the journey that you have to go through to reach it, it's important to get someone to help you so that you can overcome and become your, become your partner to help you overcome those symptoms. Don't tough it out figure it out. Oh, I love it. I love it. Don't tell me you're just full of these things. Do, do, do I like dial you up and I'll get some more really good ones? Oh my gosh. I love this. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Okay. And the book, by the way, is filled with this wonderful wisdom and just know that there is hope and there will be more people like Dr. Seibel pretty soon. Dr. Seibel, thank you so much for being on the it's Her Podcast. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me. Always, and you'll become a repeat offender. You're going to be back again and again and again because we love this. And listen, everyone out there, please take a minute to run to iTunes now, rate and review the show. I'm waiting to hear from you. Why? Because I'm Dr. Pam Peek, host of the Her Podcast. Please follow me on Facebook at Dr. Pam Peek or Twitter and Instagram at Pam Peek MD. Remember to catch every single episode of the Herb Podcast on iTunes, Radio MD, and all the major platforms, including Spotify. Thanks so much for listening today, and please stay safe and stay well.